I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 110 in which I review a book. And I'm recording this on Saturday, November 17th, 2012. Um, I think I'll get this posted tonight, unless something happens. My daughter is currently making dinner for me, um, her famous penne with roasted red pepper sauce, which is my favorite recipe that she's learned in the last few years as a vegetarian. So she um, she likes to make it when she and I are home alone, because my husband not a big fan of red pepper sauce. Um, so he is still out of town. I believe I mentioned that in my last episode. He comes home tomorrow. So I decided I would record this um, and probably get it posted tonight so that tomorrow, once he's home, you know, we can just be hanging out as long as he's actually awake. I'm not expecting him to be conscious for very long once he gets home, but that's another story. In any case, um, I have a book to review in this episode, so that will be the primary content. We'll tell you a little bit more about what that book actually is when we get to it. Meanwhile, I want to say thank you to everybody who is listening. Really appreciate it. Um, I have been getting some comments from folks, so it's fun to have you talking again. Of course, it does help that I'm actually blogging again and <laughs> talking to you. It gives you something to talk back to, so that's always good. But we'll be doing some listener comments at the end. I would like to begin with, as I talked about in my last episode, Creative Bites. These are sound bites of creativity, three to five minutes of motivation, suggestions, activities for the week, and so forth. This week, I want to talk about a phrase that I read in a magazine, and I am sorry, I now do not remember what magazine um, it was. It had to have been a quilting magazine, I think. It was probably about free motion quilting, <laughs> I guess. I'm not really sure. I don't remember where I read this, but the phrase just really stuck in my head. And it's something I need to consistently remind myself of. And so I thought it would be um, a good thing to talk about a little bit during a Creative Bites. Here's the phrase. Don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. Now, what does that mean? That means, of course, that when you're just starting out at something, it is so, so easy to look at, you know, the gorgeous quilts that are in um, quilt shows or what we're seeing in magazines or what we're seeing on blogs and say, oh, man, I must really stink at this because my stuff just doesn't look like that. Well, of course not. Everybody had to start somewhere. I am really, really guilty of this. I do this all the time. I will look at um, somebody's, particularly right now because I'm in sort of this art quilt mode, I will look at art quilts in magazines or I'll look at art quilts in shows and I will say to myself, wow, I would have never thought of doing that or I would have never been able to figure that out or boy, that's just so far beyond me. Well, yeah, you know, again, because I am comparing my beginning with somebody else's middle or end. It is a rare person who makes their very first quilt, puts it in a show, and wins an award. It does happen once in a great while. I was just reading an article about that happening, or maybe, I guess maybe I, I saw it on the Quilt Show or Quilter, Quilters News Network. I've been watching those this past week. But in any case, there was somebody who had just made their very first quilt, put it in a show, and got an award. Well, the truth is that might have been their very first quilt, but they were trained in art and had been doing art with a variety of media for many years, and they had done sewing. So really their first quilt had been practiced in a lot of ways prior to that first quilt being made. So we do always need to look at what is it that came before, what you are seeing and comparing yourself to. The other image I've got in my mind now that, that entertains me, but it's very useful, is when I look at a beautiful art quilt or a beautiful quilt with tremendous free motion quilting or whatever, I imagine that quilter's trash can. And I think about, okay, well, that piece is beautiful, 
but how many pieces got tossed before that one was able to come to be? Now, you know, again, not a, this is not a literal thing. Not everybody throws out um, their projects that don't work well. Usually they get repurposed into something else. But you get what I'm saying is, again, don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. That phrase, like I said, it just stuck in my head the minute I read it. I have been thinking about it quite often since. I did actually use it on, I guess my nephew was talking about um, something that he wanted to do and he compared himself, you know, he said, well, you know, so-and-so did thus and so. And I was like, yeah, that person had 30 years of career behind them. <laughs> and I said to him, don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. So that's what I want you to take away this week. I want you to catch yourself, catch yourself whenever you find yourself comparing your beginning with someone else's middle or end. Catch it when it happens and nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife used to say on, on the Andy Griffith show. Just nip it in the bud. Okay, that's this week's Creative Bites. Don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. Announcements. The only announcement I've got is an exciting one. Don't forget the Black Friday sew-in is coming up next week. I have secured my sponsor of my giveaway, so I've got a great one I'll be giving away. Actually, I've got two that I'll be giving away. One is sponsored and one is something I have that I am sharing. So I will have two winners on my blog, um, but you will see all of those, uh, all that information posted when my blog goes live. Um, there was some confusion, and I apologize. I had posted on the calendar in Big Tent the sew-in, and I had set up, you know, automatic reminders that would go out. Unfortunately, the way the calendar is set up in Big Tent, it's very hard to say something's just going to happen all day. It wants you to stick times on it, and I thought I had picked a 24-hour segment, but apparently what it said was that it ran from midnight until noon. So there was some confusion as to whether Black Friday sew-in ended at noon on Friday. No, it doesn't. In fact, I will be lucky if I'm just getting myself moving by noon after hosting Thanksgiving the day before. Um, Black Friday sew-in, my blog will go live at midnight on Friday. In other words, 12.01, wee hours of the morning, Friday morning which is unfortunately when my son is actually going to be at work for all of those retail establishments that are opening early, which just irks me to no end. But in any case, um, my blog will go live at that time and it'll stay, the drawing will go until, um, let's see, Friday, it'll go until Saturday morning whenever I wake up, but it'll officially end at Saturday, Friday night, midnight, in other words, to Saturday morning. So it's a 24 hour thing. And I do it that way so that people all over the world can join in, except unfortunately, of course, there are people that are a full 12 hours off, and I've never been able to entirely figure out the math on that. I apologize. But hopefully, you know, even if it's not Friday for you, just pop on, put your comment in or whatever it is for the sew-in the sew so that you can be entered in the blog, um, in the giveaway. When my post goes live. Again, mine goes live at midnight, but I'm going to be opening up a linky that most of our other podcasters probably won't be able to actually link up to until they're awake the next morning unless they're up late. Um, if they're up late, they can link up whenever they want. West Coasters, of course, that will only be nine o'clock, their time when it's midnight, my time. And so you will want to check periodically during the day on Black Friday to see whether there are any new um, linkies to the blog post. Because what I've done, if this is the first time you're listening to this announcement, um, I have invited other podcasters and bloggers. I'm inviting other podcasters and bloggers right now to link up and do your own giveaways. So there will be a linky on my blog. So everybody, you can just go to my blog, see who else is giving, doing a giveaway, hop on over to theirs, and then come back later again and check mine and see if anybody new has linked up. Unfortunately, that's kind of what we have to do with time zones. <laughs> that's just the best way to work it out. So I hope that people will be able to join in the fun on Black Friday. Um, that is the day after Thanksgiving. For those of you who are in other countries, that's this coming Friday. I believe that's November 23rd, if I recall the actual date. Um, let me double check that just to be sure. I was right, it's the 23rd. So Friday, November 23rd is Black Friday. So in, 
Um, we will be on Twitter, so definitely be talking on Twitter with the hashtag BFSI. Um, if you're on Facebook and want to introduce conversation on the Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook page, please do. I will try to check it during the day, but I've got things I want to actually accomplish that day, so I'm going to be trying not to spend all of my time on social networking. Last year that I did this, actually more so for Boxing Day than it was for Black Friday, um, Black Friday was very spur of the moment, so I, I wasn't quite as pulled together that day. Um, but the Boxing Day so-in that I hosted, I had two computer monitors and my iPad, all with different social networks going all at the same time, and was at my computer, I think, every half hour checking everything. Needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sewing done. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little more selfish this year and try to get some sewing done. And um, I will be checking in quite regularly. It's easier to keep track of Twitter because that can just be on my cell phone. Um, so that's easy to sit next to my uh, computer every or next to my sewing machine. Everything else gets a little trickier. So that's BFSI. Even if you are out shopping, I doubt you're going to be shopping for 24 hours. If you are, <laughs> then you have a heck of a lot more stamina than I do. <laughs> so hopefully, even if you are shopping for some portion of BFSI, you'll be able to at least check in with us. Put in your two cents. Let us know how things are going. All right, Sandy, update. A um, couple neat things have happened this week. I think I mentioned in my last episode that I had the opportunity to attend one of the very first meetings. I think this was their third meeting, maybe their fourth one, of a new modern quilt guild that has um, started up here in my hometown, well, in my larger hometown, larger neighborhood of Rochester. Um, I believe the history is that it actually started up a little bit further south of us, um, but then as it grew, it then kind of subdivided into more locally accessible guilds for a variety of places, so it sort of divided. Um, the night that we had our meeting, unfortunately, there was a very, very last minute, like the last two or three hours change of location. The place that they had chosen to move suddenly was unavailable to them with no warning. And so they quickly were sending out messages all over the place trying to get, you know, the new location out to people. And I think that might have affected. There were only, see, myself and a friend went we were two of, I think there were about 10 of us all together there. And then there were a couple of others who posted on the Facebook page later that they had tried to make it um, and unfortunately couldn't find it. The building we ended up meeting in was very difficult to see where the actual door numbers were to know which door you need to, needed to enter. Um, and so one woman had stayed at the door for quite a, t a long time to, you know, kind of wave in anybody that was wandering around the parking lot looking lost. Um, but after a certain time, you know, came in to join the meeting, as you would want to do. And unfortunately, a couple of people showed up after she had already left the door and could not find the meeting space, which was unfortunate. Um, so I don't know, you know, it, it was a very, very small group, which has kind of a neat side to it. You know, as an introvert, it's a little harder for me to enter into a group like that because I tend to like to be anonymous for a little while until I've kind of figured out what was going on. Um, and you could not be anonymous in this group, but it was a neat group of people. Um, really interesting mix of um, styles and techniques. Yes, you know, it, it it was kind of the modern quilt vibe, but there was also a lot of art quilt stuff going on, which was really interesting to me. Um, and because they are so new, they were talking about, okay, what are we going to be doing in the future and, and what kinds of things do we want to do? And they're going to be putting together a survey for that. Um, but some of the demos they were talking about, a lot of stuff was like surface embellishment kinds of things, which is, again, I think of that more as art quilting than I do modern quilting. But this is where I say there really are no categories. You know, <laughs> it all blends in together. You can use different techniques all in one quilt. Um, so, you know, I have not fully mentally committed to that guild yet, but I do think I will probably go back again next month with my friend. And... Um, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot for a little while. My, my thing is, though, my first loyalty will always be to my usual guild that is not a guild that I often talk about, um, the Canal Guild girls. Um, that's where my heart is, and that's where my primary emphasis will be. So whenever there's, you know, swaps and challenges and all that kind of stuff, I can only do so many. And I tend to think at the moment anyway, I would always skew towards doing the ones in the Canal. 
guild rather than the modern quilt guild but we'll see how things play out it could very well be that different challenges and stuff come up i can do one project and meet several different challenges in which that could be kind of a fun challenge for myself <laughs> as well is okay how many challenges can i fit into one piece of fabric you know that would be a lot of fun um so anyway that was the modern quilt guild meeting and like i said it was a neat bunch of people it's um always fun to meet new quilters and kind of get different perspectives and what's going on so that was a lot of fun um, I did my trial product, as I've mentioned in the past, I'm, I'm a product tester for Jean of Quilted Cupcake for a product she's um, testing out to see if she wants to put it in her Etsy shop. And I did get the um, sample yesterday and I tried it out today and I sent her back, you know, mostly, oh, 90% there. I, I love it. Um, just a couple of things that might make it even a little bit more workable. So I'll keep you posted on that. If she does decide this is something that she's going to put in her in her shop, I will let you know. Um, I'm very excited about it because it will certainly solve a problem for me. <laughs> and that's 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 always what I'm mostly concerned about is my problems. Um, okay, I did have a finish this week. I finished my nine patch pizzazz, uh, which I have now named Faith, Hope, and Love. I have not gotten it in the mail yet. I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. It is um, bigger than any of the mailing packages I have here in my house. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to box it up and get it over to the um, post office. Fortunately, I have all next week is vacation. I took Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. So I will have a little bit of time to figure that out and get it in the mail. Hopefully she'll have it by Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know if that'll work out exactly but she should have it within that time frame. Um, I'm pretty pleased with the way it turned out. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about, I mentioned the Fusaboo that I used last time. I have discovered one issue with the Fusaboo. Um, I did not realize until I had finished quilting it that there is a pucker in the backing on one side. And the reason I didn't realize it, well, I should have, I mean, okay. I didn't realize it because I was working too fast. I should have flipped it over after I fused it and really studied the back. I did hold it up. I glanced at it to make sure there were no wrinkles. But because you're pressing it in order to fuse the batting to the backing in the top, because you're pressing it, that pucker pressed in. And because of the nature of the fabric I was using, it wasn't easy to see. And I couldn't feel it at all. You know, every time I kind of ran my hands over it, could not feel it at all. Um, so what I would say, first of all, the Fusaboo would be great if it was a small project, an art quilt or, you know, wall hanging or something that you're pressing where the whole thing can really kind of sit right on your pressing board. Because I think where I got the pucker is because I could only press a part of it at a time and then I'd have to pull it up and over to the next section and then press again. And somewhere in that um, pulling up and over, somewhere I got a pucker. And I was running my hands along it every time to make sure I wasn't puckering. Somewhere I didn't catch a pucker. So one, it's absolutely highly recommend it for a small heart, art quilt kind of thing, something that you're not pulling it around a lot to press it. You can just kind of press it in one fell swoop. Um, the other thing I recommend if you are using it for a larger piece or even if you're using it for a, large, a smaller one, make sure you flip it over and look at that other side and really run your hands carefully over it and study it really closely to make sure you have not pressed a pucker into it. Um, now, that being said, on the flip side, I washed it. The it's It feels a little bit stiff because of the adhesive that's on it when you're working with it. The minute I washed it, this is the softest, most drapeable batting ever. <laughs> it is so nice. Oh, it hangs beautifully. Um, again, that might maybe counter in or counter indicate it for a wall hanging or something where you want some stiffness in there. It, although you might not be washing it. So, you know, that's just something you have to keep the trade off. For a lap quilt or a cuddle quilt, man, this stuff just, you know, oh, it is so soft and nice. Um, now, some of that is because I did quilt it very, very lightly. And the more lightly you quilt something, the softer it is. The more quilting that's on something, the stiffer it gets. Um, that's another trade-off you have to think through when you're thinking about designing your quilting pattern. Um, but in any case, I just wanted to let you know, once I did finish this project and really looked at what the results were, those were the two things I found was the first one, I had accidentally fused a little bit of a pucker into the back 
Um, it's not very noticeable, but it's irksome to me. And by the time it was in there, I couldn't, I actually went in to try to pick out some stitching and couldn't do it because of the way it was. So I ended up just leaving it and praying that my friend won't mind because it just shows that it was handmade with love. Um, <laughs> but it does the, the batting drapes beautifully, beautifully, beautifully. Um, I did also more Sandy update. I did realize, as I had mentioned before, I have two quilts that I was hoping to make as Christmas gifts that I was thinking I was going to now be kind of moving right into and plowing through. And I actually realized they don't have to be done by Christmas because they're from my side of the family and my side of the family never does Christmas until about two weeks after Christmas because it's too hard. All of my sisters are pastors, so <laughs> it's too hard for us to all get together on Christmas or within a day or two either side of it. So we always do Christmas somewhere in the middle of January. So I've got more time to do those um, those two quilts. So I'm actually going to be playing around a little bit more with um, going back to some of my slow quilt techniques. I'm going to be playing around with some stuff that I'm kind of testing out for my next quilt project, next art quilt project. And I'm starting to sketch out my postcard for Sandy of Quilt Cabana. Sandy, I'm starting to work on it. Um, the only other update is that I bought my turkey today for Thanksgiving. We are hosting and we've got, I think, about 10 people coming. Maybe nine, but I think 10. And we're keeping it basic. My family does not want me messing with recipes, you know. So I love these magazines that come out with all these, you know, are you bored with us? And so here's five new ways to do it. I'm like, are you kidding me? There would be a riot in my house if I tried to do anything different. They want it the way they've always had it. Um so my sister and her family are coming and they're doing some of the dishes and I'm doing, um, I'm doing most of the dinner. They're doing part of dessert. And, um, that's actually simpler because the kitchen is set up in such a way. It's really only good to have one person in there. It's hard to have two or three people cutting and doing everything at the same time. But, um, I was tweeting today. It's kind of entertaining that for 10 people, I bought a 20 pound turkey. <laughs> That's just because we really like our leftovers. So I intentionally buy, you know, quite a bit more than I think I'm going to need just so that we can have the leftovers and be eating turkey for days because we love it. So that's the Sandy update. Now we can get into the content. Here it comes. I bought a new book probably two or three weeks ago now. I've really been going through it, reading it very carefully. It is the kind of book you can, it's a quilt book, but it is the kind of book you can actually sit down and read. It's called, it's named The in, uh, Intuitive Color and Design Adventures in Art Quilting by Jean Wells. I love this book. Love this book. All right, let me read through the table of contents just so you get an idea of what's in it. Um, forward preface. Uh, the Journey, which is kind of just her introduction to the book. Inspiration for quilt design. Start a journal or sketchbook with basic tools and developing an idea. Techniques and tools for the quilter's toolbox. Color through my eyes. Nuts and bolts of quilt design. Unconventional finishing methods and then off the wall quilts, and then uh, continuing the journey, which is just a short little kind of couple paragraphs to bring everything to closure that she wrote. Um, her introduction, again, which she titles The Journey, explains how she grew into this mode of quilt design. And I love, she talks about taking a class. And, you know, I love hearing about quilt celebrities, people you, you know, have heard about and are you see on TV and everything all the time. I love to hear about them taking classes because it does remind us two things. It reminds us, first of all, that everybody started learning somewhere. Remember back to my creative bites. Um, but it also reminds us there's always something new to learn. Um, I <laughs> I heard, oh, this is a little while ago now. I, I did hear a quilter. Not, nobody I knew well, nobody from my guild or anything. I think I was at an event and I heard somebody say, oh, I don't take classes anymore. They don't have anything new for me to hear. i like, oh, man. <laughs> I just... I was just shaking my head over that one for a long time. There's always something new to learn. That's part of what I love about quilting because I love learning new things. There is always something new to learn. And so her her discussion about having taken this class and kind of what it spurred for her in this new trajectory that her um, quilt design started taking because of things that happened in that class was really pretty significant for me. And I, I love... One of the things I always get a kick out of about myself when I read a book is 
I can fall in love with a book in the introduction just because of one or two sentences that that person said that really spoke to me. Even if there was nothing else in the book that really did much for me, if they grab me there, they've got me. And she had me there. I loved that part. And there's also something in the foreword that I'm going to be talking about in my next Creative Bites. There was a piece in there that really grabbed me and made me think a lot. Um, so anyway, then in the journey, she talks about how she challenged herself to grow as what she refers to as a colorist. She really worked on her use of color and challenging herself in a variety of ways to do things that she hadn't tried to do before. Um, and then she has a couple of, of, again, things that I picked up on in her introduction. She talks about um, how the book is set up and, you know, that there's activities and things. And then she says, you will need to experiment to find the way that works best for you. Um, Again, I love the acknowledgement that no one way works for everybody, that we all kind of find our own path. And I appreciate her ability to give permission to do that. You know, I, I love that. And she also just kind of ends with a be playful. And I just need to remember that, you know, I get so caught up in this isn't turning out the way I want it to turn out. And I've got this kind of big vision I'm trying to achieve and to remind it to be reminded that this is just play, you know, I just want to play for a while, um, is really a good thing for me to try to cement into my head, that I'm just playing. And if something wonderful comes out of that playfulness, uh, that's gravy. <laughs> to use a Thanksgiving term, that's gravy. Uh, she then moves into inspiration section, and she talks about learning to see. I really like throughout the book, um, but she does it really in a significant way here, that she shows photos that she's taken, and then she shows sketches that she drew from those photos, and she talks about what she particularly saw in that photo, line or shape or whatever element that she's highlighting, and then the quilt that resulted eventually from those sketches. And I really enjoyed seeing that process kind of in really lined out. Um, she The section about journal and sketchbooking, I, I need to really embrace that. I know, you know, Jay has said I need to get a sketchbook. I've heard other people have said I need to get a sketchbook. I have tried at various times to get a sketchbook. The problem I have is because I get caught up in my lack of drawing skill. I am not a particularly good drawer and that just stymies me every time. And so I start getting frustrated and then I put away the sketchbook and I never go back to it. And what I found myself thinking in, in her book, in Jean Wells' book, the one I'm reviewing right now, she does have pictures of some of her sketchbook pages. And looking at those, I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute, I can do that. You know, <laughs> it just sort of, it, it's not that I'm saying I can make her quilts. Of course, that's not hard. It's, it's more looking at what she sketches and how she uses her sketchbook just it did release me when i've seen pictures of other people's sketchbooks a lot of times i look at them the man they're great works of art i don't think that way i don't work that way um i work better in 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 different ways um i found i sometimes work a lot better if i just start hacking up fabric and gluing it down <laughs> and seeing what happens rather because that drawing is such a stopper for me and so looking at that section and seeing the actual pictures of her notebook pages and and how she then used that to translate that into an actual quilt was really helpful to me again it, it did it just kind of helped me reframe in my own head some of the things I get stuck on and how to get myself over that uh, she does have a section on techniques and that part was very very cool she gives a variety of different approaches to piecing angles curves narrow insets etc and then each one has an assignment. Now, she doesn't have a lot of instructions. These aren't, this is not something you'd look at to learn how to do kind of traditional piecing or piecing that goes into, I don't want to use the word normal, but let me use it, the normal quilts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to trust that after two years, you guys know what I mean. Um, she, it, it is, it's just a different kinds of ways to look at piecing in general and how to look at putting your quilt together. Um, not a tremendous amount of instruction, but just enough for you to get a sense of what she's saying here. And then again, a lot of pictures and illustrations. 
And I just got a lot of ideas in there for things that even quilts I'm working on that are kind of more of a traditional sense. I was thinking, oh, well, I could have done this there and that would have just tweaked it just a little bit to make it a little bit different. So that was really helpful. She does do a little bit of color theory, as you're used to seeing. She talks a little bit about monochromatic analogous and so forth. I have to say, though, I don't remember ever seeing a color wheel in print in this book. She uses photographs and quilts. So photographs from nature. So she talks about, you know, when she talks about monochromatic, there's a photo in there that kind of shows you monochromatic. So it was really, again, it's kind of real world <laughs> stuff. It's It's not looking at it's not looking at the science of it, it's looking at the art of it. And color theory is both science and art in a lot of ways. And so she focuses more on kind of the art side of it. Again, no color wheel. She does use the terminology, but doesn't really weigh it down. It's more about, look at this photo, and here's some of the colors that are in that photo, and this is why they do what they do. Um, she does also spend a little bit of time on color temperature, warm and cool, and personality, color personality, which was kind of neat. Not a lot of time on any of this. You know, it's not a long book. Um, so it is, you know, it's fairly easy to sit down and read a section in an evening and kind of get a lot, but it spurs so many ideas. The, the thing she has in here, which I haven't run into a lot, if at all, in other books on color for quilters. Now, I haven't read exhaustively every book on color for quilters out there. I've only gotten two or three, but the, the ones that I've done have not really talked as much about proportion of color that she does. She actually takes about a page and a half, which in this book is a lot of space, <laughs> um, talking about the proportion of color. And that section, like I said, was really interesting to me, partly because it was new from what I'd seen in other books, um, but it was it was also just that led her into this kind of discussion about making color decisions while the quilt is being created. I think, you know, a lot of times we think we try to make all of our color decisions at the beginning. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the colors I'm going to use. Here's the fabrics I'm going to use. Boom, let's do it. And And she spends some time talking about Okay, you might start out thinking about these colors and do about a third of the quilt. And then look at that third of a quilt and see what it's telling you. What does it need next? You might want to add in some other colors then in the next third of the quilt and so forth. And it was a really interesting way to look at that process. Um, and I know, for example, Jay often says that she has learned you make visual decisions visually. This is just another way of saying that and, and fleshing it out even more that even more than looking at how your blocks are laid out and everything, you may even be changing your color scheme as you go based on what the quilt is telling you it needs. Uh, so that was a really interesting section for me to be reading. And she also talks about paying attention to colors that you might not notice the first time you look at a photograph. And she talks specifically about dull and muddy colors and how when we look at a photo from nature, let's say we look at a picture of the garden, we tend to see the colors of the flowers and the colors of the leaves. We don't tend to see that kind of grayish brown section in the back that's sort of the dirt or the mulch or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's we're not paying attention to that. We're grabbed by these bright, vibrant colors, whereas those vibrant colors aren't nearly as vibrant when you take away that muddy color or that dull color. Those really lift them out. That's the point she makes. And so she talks about how sometimes when she's got quilts put together and they're just not speaking to her, she needs to add in some dull or some muddy color. Again, colors we don't tend to think of or take as seriously. And that's actually what makes the quilt sing. Um, so that was just kind of an interesting reversal. You know, we tend to think about, oh, you need that spot of pizzazz. You need that really bright color that'll make the quilt sing. Well, no, sometimes it's actually not the bright color. It's the dull colors that set those bright colors off. And so, you know, that's just another piece that we need to think of while we're working on our quilt design. And again, each of these sections that I'm talking about, she has exercises sprinkled throughout so that you can really be working your way through whatever she's talking about for that particular section. Uh, the next section she talks about then is nuts and bolts of quilt design. Um, <laughs> this part laughed again. I'm big into introductions. In the introduction to this particular section, she talks about that moment in the middle of working on the quilt when you are just riddled with doubts. And I just had to laugh because here's the thing. 
that I have not been very successful at putting together in my head, and I'm going to vow to myself to get much better at this. I have, in my life, written a tremendous amount of religious education curriculum, uh, for mostly for older youth, um, sometimes for adults, but I, I've written a ton of what's called religious education curriculum. When I do that, I follow a very distinct emotional pattern <laughs> when I'm in the process. The first process, I start out doing a boatload of research and taking copious notes, but during that time, I'm trying to keep my eye, I mean, my mind open to um, allowing ideas to flow and form by this information that I'm taking in. And it's just, you know, my mind's on fire and things are just moving and shaking and I can't wait to get at the writing. And then I start writing and it's just flowing onto the page and it's, oh man, it's just the most beautiful thing. Come, things are coming fast and furious. Everything feels great. And then suddenly, about halfway or three quarters of the way through, I hate it. Nothing is working. It stinks. No one's ever going to want to use this. I've got everything wrong. This is the worst thing I've ever written. And I walk away from it. Now, because in the situation in which I'm writing these curricula, I tend to always have a deadline and somebody waiting for it. <laughs> so I have to go back to it and I have to keep writing because I've got to turn something in. Those deadlines are my best friend, by the way. <laughs> Maybe I should do a future creative bites about them because that's what makes me work through that sense that this thing stinks and I hate it, but I have to go back to it because somebody wants me to finish it. Finally, by the time I've actually done writing, put the last period on the last sentence, maybe I've gone back to on a little editing to kind of tighten things up, I look at it and I think, you know, it's not half bad. <laughs> In fact, I kind of like it. You know, somewhere in that process, I've moved from inspiration and excitement down to the pits of despair and doubt. And then I've climbed my way back up, sometimes a little painfully, sometimes a little crankily, but I've climbed my way back up to that other side where I can look back at the whole thing and say, you know what, that really wasn't half bad. I think I kind of like it. Why don't I realize that I'm doing exactly that same thing in my quilting? You know, I get to the start of a project, ideas are flowing fast and furious, and then I get stuck and I hate it. And at that point, often, I walk away and I don't go back because I don't have any deadlines. When I do stick with something and when I do, you know, sometimes I set mental deadlines for myself that I want to get things done by a certain period of time and and for an, out, an external reason, not just to have it finished, but I have that kind of, well, I really wanted to bring this to show and tell or whatever. Then when I stick with it and work my way through it, then generally by the time I've finished, I've worked my way back around to, gee, that's not half bad. Sometimes I even work my way around to, I really like this, but usually I'm happy enough if I can get to, gee, that's not half bad. For me, that's kind of a big thing. So I'm, I'm saying all of this to you as well. If you find yourself, this is a very common creative process. Starting out with the inspiration and excitement, kind of going down into the set of doubts and despair and you hate it and you sure everybody else hates it. And then working your way back into um, getting it done in the, the, the future and actually liking the end result. So anyway, okay, that was the sidebar to the rest of my review. Um, she does then go into principles of design as we've been discussing uh, with Jay, you know, all of those kinds of principles of design that you are, if you've been listening to my podcast and paying attention, you are familiar with those. Uh, she does also include, um, she starts out actually talking about abstraction, not as a principle of design so much, although it is kind of a bit, it feels almost more like an introduction to everything else than she talks about. Um, but she talks about, you know, she takes a photo. She doesn't try to reproduce that photo realistically. She abstracts it. That's what she finds more interesting. And that was a really good section for me to read as well, because that's, I tend to immediately think in terms of the reproduction, and I really want to push myself towards more abstraction. Um, okay, and again, in that section, she's got lots and lots of pictures from nature as well as her quilts. And again, it was really helpful to for me to be able to compare the photos that inspired her quilts with her quilts, so I could kind of go back and forth between the two. 
And then she finishes off with unconventional finishing methods. In other words, not everything has to have a binding, of course. And she does in here make some good points about batting and backing fabrics um, to give you some different effects. And in that unconventional finishing methods, some of them I was familiar with from other resources, but a couple of them I hadn't really thought about before. So again, there's there's always something new to look at. She does talk about a few different quilting lines. She doesn't spend a lot of time on quilt design, you know, quilting patterns so much, but she does talk a little bit about that in quilting methods, you know, machine hand, that kind of thing. Um, stabilizing the quilt edges and then of course the different finishes again. Her last section then is off the wall quilts which she makes kind of this um, basically a quilted box. I think she, I'd have to look back at the section again to remember how she does it, um, but they're a 3D thing. They sit on a table rather than, you know, hanging on a wall, which that was kind of a neat, a different way. Again, if you've only got so many walls and so many beds and you're starting to run out of space, you might want to pick this up just for that concept because it's a different way to display a, a quilt, which is kind of cool. So overall, I would highly, highly recommend this book. I really enjoyed it. I want to go back. I don't know if I'll work my way through every single exercise as it is, but I will definitely be working with a lot of them. Um, particularly for me, a lot of the piecing ones, doing those different kinds of piecing, I was immediately seeing how I could apply some of those methods to some of the designs I have in my head. So I thought that was the most helpful. So again, it is the... Um, Jean Wells is the author, and it's Intuitive Color and Design Adventures in Art Quilting. Listener feedback, I've heard from a few of you, and I really appreciate it. Um, Be a Quilter had pointed out that on my Total Color Tuesday, when I first posted it with the link, somehow the link had the wrong date on it, <laughs> so it didn't open up immediately. I did as soon as I was able to. I went in and fixed that, so now the link does work. Um, I also want to say thank you to... A landscape lady who said she doesn't have any time to play with her stash on Total Color Tuesday right now, but she loved one of my fabrics. Um, and she said, cut up, it would be great for flowers. Shading is perfect for that, she says, lustfully, as she wrote. Um, and, you know, it's neat. I hadn't really thought about that. That's one of those fabrics I've had in my stash forever and have just never used. So now I'm going to be looking at it a little bit differently. Can I use it in that way? Janet said um, that she really likes the Total Color Tuesdays, and she's missed previous segments, but she does plan to go back and catch up on them. Um, she has only recently picked up the Ultimate 3-in-1 Color Tool and hasn't used it much yet, but is looking forward to doing it. Um, so, Janet, good. I'm glad that I've been inspired, inspiring you to use that color tool. I haven't used it as much as I really should, other than you know starting to use it with these Total Color Tuesday posts. But when I design quilts, I tend to be, um, again, a little more intuitive about color. I tend to go with gut instinct rather than picking up the color wheel and really using it. And that's something I want to get better at doing. Not better at doing. I'm not saying you have to do that. I think intuitive color use is great. Um, it's worked well for me so far. But I think I can push myself more in terms of my use of color if I do go to the color wheel and really work on, okay, well, if I were to do such and such a color harmony, what would that mean? And kind of push my use of color that way. So um, I'm glad you own the tool, Janet, and I look forward to seeing what happens when you start getting comfortable with it. And, um, oh, let's see, Landscape Lady also posted another um, comment on, I had posted just a small little peek of my current project, which um, <laughs> is... I, the name of the quilt is, are you getting sleepy? No, I'm sorry. It's just, you're getting sleepy. Um, I do refer to it as the poppies quilt. So you know why that is. Um, the sewing geek said that she loves the poppies too and wants to know where I got the fabric. Unfortunately, I bought the fabric a few years ago, so I'm not sure if it's even available. I will try to remember next time I post about it to see if I can find a salvage edge that gives any information about it. I do have to say, this fabric frays a lot, and I can't think, I, I don't know. I realized maybe I've just been working with batiks so much that I have forgotten how much regular fabric frays, but it seems to be fraying an awful lot. There's also, the poppies fabric is fine, but one of the fabrics I bought to coordinate with it, I don't know if it's from the same line. I don't think it is. But there's a lot of slubs in that fabric. There's a lot of places you, you can't, I don't think you can see it from the front, but from the back, there's a lot of places where you get that really, that kind of thick wad of um, threads going through. 
and in one case they're white you know they didn't take the dye or whatever it is so as I've been working with this fabric it's gorgeous fabric but I don't know that it's the highest quality fabric and but I know I got it at quilt shops that's that's where I buy my fabric so I I will try to find a salvage edge and see if I can figure out what the, the line is. Again, not the poppy fabric itself, but the other fabrics I've been using. There's a little bit of issues going on. Um, let's see. Several people, Laura, Paula, Z, any mouse, liked my corn chowder recipe. I hope you do all make it. It's a fantastic recipe. We ate it all summer long. I kept making it over and over again. Um, Amy, AJ Dub, left a comment on the Nine Patch Pizzazz saying that she really, um, it looks wonderful and she does like the ribbon quilting. So thank you very much for that, Amy. I appreciate it. Sarah likes the fact that I did choose ultimately to go without borders. She thinks that really was perfect. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. And Kate says, um, she likes the quilt. She said, I was so excited when you talked about the Nine Patch Pizzazz book as I was given it as a gift. I'm thinking that I will give it a try. Um, and yes, I think you should. It is really a great way to use a fabric that's a, a big print fabric, you know, something that you really don't want to cut into small pieces, but you also don't want to just do, you know, big squares or whatever. It's it's a nice mix of, of um, larger and smaller pieces. I do like the Nine Patch Pizzazz. I do also own Rectangle Pizzazz, which was her follow-up book. I've never done anything out of that. Um, I don't know if I'll try it. There's something about none of the designs in that one really jazzed me as much as the Nine Patch Pizzazz did. And I also, I think I have the sense that it is more specific patterns for specific quilt designs rather than kind of the technique like Nine Patch Pizzazz is. Um, but in any case, if you do have Nine Patch Pizzazz and you know, really like that and want to look at Rectangle Pizzazz, I would, you know, say go ahead and find it. If any of you out there have Rectangle Pizzazz and you've used it, please leave a comment and let me know what you think of it um, and how it worked for you. I, I just, like I said, it's been on my shelf for a long time. I haven't really pulled it out to do anything with it. So if you love it, convince me. Tell me I should pull it off my shelf and use it. Kate also said that she enjoys the Creative Bites and she has started um, a journal entry about creative creativity. So good, Kate. I'm glad to know that that will have some effect and I'll appreciate hearing, you know, how you're reflecting on these in the future. And Claire said, um, left a comment on episode 107 in which I get ready for me. She's catching up on podcasts. She says she hasn't gotten to the Total Color Tuesdays yet, but I have a recommendation for a great book. I recently saw Kay Fassett speak in Massachusetts and bought an autographed copy of his new autobiography. Oh my, wow, this is an amazing read. Beautiful, almost coffee table style, and I read the whole thing, less than $40 on Amazon gift wish list item. She left with a couple of question marks. I did not know Kay Fassett had an autobiography out. So, um, folks, if you are Kay Fassett fans, you should certainly be checking out the autobiography and put it on your Christmas wish list. And I will certainly check it out as well. As I've said in this um, podcast before, I am not personally a huge Kay, Kay Fassett fan in terms of the quilt designs that get mass marketed from him. I do like some of the stuff I've seen in his... Um, I've seen him in person speaking and in his slideshow. I like some of the designs there. Um, I guess some of the things that aren't, what do you call them? The B-side? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think back to our old album, you know, record album days. I, I was, you know, maybe this is just me because I was talking with somebody recently about um, Billy Joel. And I'm not a big fan of Billy Joel's popular songs. Um, please don't make me listen to Piano Man again. But... <laughs> But at one point when I was in college, my sister's um, boyfriend had us keeping all of it. He'd left all his record albums at our house for some, you know, break that he went home and didn't want to call everything. I don't remember why we had all of these albums, but we had a bunch of cartons of albums and he had a bunch of Billy Joel. And so I went through and I was listening to all of these albums and I really liked several of the songs that were deeper into the album that most people have never heard of. Those were good songs, but the stuff that's hit top 40... I was never a big fan of. So I wonder sometimes if, if that's not just my personality, <laughs> if that's just an issue with me, that I don't like Kay Fassett's top 40, as it were, but I do like some of the deep cuts of his work. Um, 
So anyway, thank you everybody to for leaving your comments. I really appreciate it. I look forward to hearing from you more. And um, for those of you who are in the U.S. and will be celebrating Thanksgiving in any way, however you celebrate it, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving this week. And we will see each other, no matter where you live, on Black Friday So In Day BFSI, hashtag BFSI. Be sure you watch my blog for my giveaways. And I've heard some other bloggers and podcasters talk about um, getting ready for their giveaways. So it should be a really, really fun day. Um, I think that's it for this episode. So you know where you can get me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads. Um, you can join the, (laughs) you can join the Flickr group. No, I wasn't about to say anything else there. I just paused mentally on an F. You can join the Flickr group or the Facebook Quilting for the Rest of Us group. You can join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. You can find me on Threadbias. I've suddenly become very active there and Craftsy and um, a few other places, Google Plus. And you can join the Kiva team. And you will find links for all of that at quiltingfortherestofus.com. Wait a minute. I forgot to talk about one other thing. There are several of us now who are doing the Easy Street Mystery Quilt by Bonnie Hunter. Several of the podcasters, several of our listeners, there's a whole crew of us. It's six people from my guild, I think we're up to now, six of us that are all doing it. We have a Flickr group for it. Thank you to Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner, who set that up. So there is a Bonnie Hunter Easy Street podcasters group. I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly what it's named, but I will try to remember to put the uh, link in the show notes to this episode. And I also have an Easy Street group set up in Thread Bias. And even if you're not actually going to do it, we encourage you to join the group because it'll be fun for us who are doing it to have some cheerleaders because I'm sure we'll get bogged down in the middle and we'll need people to give us a little kick in the tuchus to keep us moving. So please come along and be our kicks in the tuchus in these groups. Okay, now we're done. Now you know where you can email me, follow me, and join our groups and have great conversation. And you will find links for all of that and a whole lot more at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And remember, this show is now on Stitcher. You can listen to Quilting for the Rest of Us on your iPhone, Android, phone, Kindle Fire, or other devices with Stitcher. Thank you very much, and until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.